you want to reach your next level in business and health? Do you need help unlocking your potential and taking action? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Empowered Life Podcast, a podcast that empowers women to change physically, emotionally, and financially and to live a life they love. Now, here's your host, Lisa Pizek. Welcome to the next episode of the Empowered Life Podcast. Lisa Pizek here, and I am so excited to have with me today my friend Ron. Ron Reardon works with parents. So parents who are listening, we've got a treat for you because I know we all share the same kind of worries in the day-to-day. We want to see our kids succeed. We want to challenge them. We want to do best by them. But sometimes, just to lay it out there, we worry that we're messing it all up. We worry that we're not making the best decisions for them. We don't know what we're doing. People are going to figure out that we don't have it all figured out. And sometimes we worry about just the simple day-to-day choices and challenges that are placed in front of our kids and how do we best support them? How do we be the best parents that we know how to be? How do we take things from our past, use what we really love, and then reframe the things that we don't love and make something great out of that? So that's what Ron and I are going to be talking about in this podcast. And let me tell you a bit about Ron. So Ron is a dad and also a granddad. So he's got twin boys. They're 41 now though. They're older and four grandkids, two girls and two boys. So nice how you've got two and two, right? You get the boy and the girls, which is great. And your main philosophy is called strategic parenting and realizing that kids really are the architects and the magicians of their life. I love that. And our role is to equip them on the day they burst out our front door as adults, that we know that we've done our very best, that now they can go out in the world and live the life that they want. And I really love how, Ron, you talk about how strategic parenting is intentional. And that's what I really want to nail down with you, that it's emotional, it deals with our desires, navigating them through life, their future realities, you know, having them feel loved and accepted, but yet challenging them at the same time. So you have such a great way of wrapping this all together and breaking it down in a way that we can understand it and that we've got some actionable things that we can go and do after we listen to this podcast. And the last thing I'll say before I shut up and let Ron talk is that you've got a book on the way this year, which is so exciting called Seeing Your Way Through Parenting. And we were chatting before we hopped on this podcast about a book that truly changed your life and the way that you parent. And now it's so amazing that you're writing your book, which we know is going to change a lot of lives. So Ron, Thank you for being here with me. Well, it's great to be here. It really is. Yes. So tell me a bit about, tell me a bit about that book that you read and a little bit about your book. Tell me about the process here around the strategic parenting. Yeah, and I don't know if you know, they'll be able to see that book, but yes. it's called How to Father. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew when the twins came along that I, since I had a came up in a really dysfunctional family that I had no role model whatsoever on how to 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 be a father and so you know what do you do when you realize that you know i, I can't re- really rely on my past other than what not to do <laughs> so i got a book that told me what to do and yeah. I, I basically would be reading that book you know with one hand and i would have you know the, the uh, one of the twins in the in the other hand and uh, just did what it said. So it said, you know, number one, the fathers need to get involved. I said, okay, well, you know, with twins, there's no option on not being involved because, yeah. you know, you got uh, a mother, a father, and you got two kids and, um, you know, everybody's got to pitch in. You know, the, the, the mother-in-law came for two weeks and that was great, but then she was gone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And the, the boy's mother cried all day long the, the day that her mother left Yeah, <laughs> because I was going to work. Okay, and she was there along with these these two kids, you know. Yeah. And, uh, 
So anyway, it would say things like, you know, the father should be changing the diapers. Okay, let's learn how to do this. And we use cloth diapers because it, that you can imagine back then uh, the, uh, the, the, the ones that were not cloth, you know, were super expensive. Wow. Yeah, you had you had to learn, you know, especially with with uh, when when they're really little, you had to learn all the different folds, and you know, we had these gigantic um, safety pins, you know, you and it would say things like, you know, make sure that you put your thumb between in between the, the diaper and the skin of the baby, so that if the the, the pin you know goes through, it hits your thumb and it doesn't hit the kid. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so you know, learning how to do that, and you know, how, and of course. I was adamant that they were going to be breastfed, okay? But as you can imagine, our, our twin boys were two weeks late, and it was six pounds and 14 ounces and seven pounds and two ounces of baby. So they came out hungry. Yeah. And there wasn't enough breast milk being produced, and so they're sitting there screaming. And so I quickly made a, an on-the-spot adjustment, which is what you do uh, in war, is you have your battle plan, and then you, once you engage the enemy, you, you adjust, okay? Yes. And, and so it's like, okay, supplemental bottles. Yep. <laughs> and and we, we did breastfeed. We did both. You know, we did both. But it, 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 only sticking to my guns and is it going to be breastfeed or nothing, uh, that, that didn't work. So, so we, we, we adjusted Wow. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, the, the book would say uh, the things to do, and I, that's what I did because this fellow was a, a child psychologist for 30 years. I mean, he obviously knew kids and what worked and what didn't work. So I just, on blind faith, you know, did what was in the book. Yeah, and I think that's such a good like take home point to even be like, if you don't know what to do, if you are in war, I love the way you describe that, where you're like, engage the enemy. You know, it's true. It's like, we're always kind of, there's lots of enemies. There's lots of challenges. There's lots of unexpected things that come up everywhere. I'm sure from now my guys four, but everywhere from like newborn to toddler to adolescent to teenage to even adult years. And then when they have kids and you're a grand, you know, grandpa or grandma, and it's like, there's all sorts of challenges that happen along that whole process. And I love that you said that, you know, you just made an on the spot adjustment or on the spot decision that you followed what worked that someone else recommended when you don't know where to start, go by what other people's parenting ways or styles or recommendations or things that are out there that align with you. But then don't be so stuck on this is the way that it has to be because I know in my mom's groups that are out there, there are some very um, strong opinions about you have to breastfeed, you have to cloth diaper, you can't co-sleep, you have to co-sleep, you parent this way, you homeschool. Like there's just so many options out there. Do they play sports? Do they not play sports? Do they learn an instrument? Like there's just so many challenges out there that people are going, I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what to do. So I love that you're like, I took what someone told me to do. I went and did it. And then I was able to make adjustments on the fly with other things going on. And I think that's amazing advice to people going, ah, help. Yeah. If there's one word that could sum up all of parenting, it's the word improv mm. because, you know, uh, musicians that do improv, do they know their music? Oh yeah. They, 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 they're, they're well-versed in music theory and in playing their instrument, but they have the ability to just kind of go with the flow of what's going on. Mm. And whether they're infants or whether they're teenagers, uh, a parent has to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and being using improv. It, that's not, it's not the same as winging it because, you know, being a, a strategic parent, it's important that you've, you've got that vision of where you're going, but have the, the flexibility to, to adjust with what, what, what's needed in the moment. Mm-hmm. I love that. What's needed in the moment. Such a good guiding phrase. Now, let's talk a bit about, if we can, you were talking about how you didn't always have the best role model 
growing up. And we were sharing that about how, you know, we really think people and our parents, you know, do the best they can, but sometimes there's real great things that happen in our life. And sometimes there's real not so great things that are role modeled to us. Everything from, um, you know, not having the necessities that you need in life to not having your emotional needs met to abusive like situations that can happen. We've all had different experiences growing up that have impacted who we are. And I think that's a fear that a lot of moms and dads have is, you know, I know I had it, that this, this role modeling is shown to me that I don't like, and I don't want to be that kind of parent, or I don't want to pass that on to my children. And sometimes we do have situations where we do act out of line, or we do do something that we're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. How do we navigate those kind of worries? And how do you navigate that that fear that we have of not passing on that same role modeling. And then when you do, then what? Well, I think the best way to, to navigate is you have to know where you're going. Okay. And the, the, the nice thing about the, the, the book that I had is it got me kind of thinking beyond the now and looking at the future, because I realized that when I turned 18, while uh, I, mentally I, I was pretty sharp. Okay. I was a straight A student. But when you looked at, you know, uh, emotional connection and common sense and, and, you know, the things that you need in life. Life skills, yeah. I, I was really deficient big time. Mm. And so I, I think a lot about uh, effective parenting is asking the right questions. And one of the questions is, well, what kind of parent do I want to be? Okay. And then the, the other question would be, what does my child need to have a fulfilled life? Okay, when, like when, the age, when they're age 18 and they're going out the door and, and your influence as a parent, you know, your influence starts off being extremely high. And every year that the, your child gets older, your influence diminishes. Okay, so, so those early years, uh, as most of us parents know, are very, very important. But um, if, if you've got that, that end target, and, and with me, I, I looked at uh, what I learned very late in life. I, I didn't learn how to speak to other people and look them eye to eye until I was 32. Wow. And I realized, you know, I would have meetings at work where I would prepare these nice handouts. You know, there'd be, you know, maybe 12 people around the table and I would read the handouts to them because I couldn't look at them. And finally I realized, you know, this sucks. This is, this is not working. Okay. <laughs> and, and I was going to go to Dale Carnegie and the, the, the budget didn't have the money. So I went to Toastmasters and, um, it was very painful going through that, but I ended up being president of the club and winning speech, serious speech contest and Hubert's speech. Collective. So I learned it was a learnable skill to be able to, to talk in front of people. Yeah. So I said, okay, that's not going to happen to my boys. Okay. Now, number one, you know, I grew up without being, uh, feeling, feeling love because there was no hugs, no kisses and, and anything like that. So I made sure that my boys were, you know, that they were going to feel love. That was just a decision. They've got to have that base of feeling that they are not only loved, but that they're lovable. Okay. Mm. And that they're, that they're worthy of love. And so when, uh, the other thing I looked at is like, okay, I was 32 when I learned how to use my voice. Okay. These, these boys are going to have be able to use their voice much, much earlier. So at age three, I have them ordering their happy meal at McDonald's. Okay. And it was painful because I was like, Oh no, dad, you know, you order it. I said, all you got to do is say, I want a happy meal. And it's like, I want a happy meal. I said louder. They still remember that. Okay. That was not one of my best parenting moments. <laughs> I said, shout it out. I want a happy meal. And my younger son has told me that he's actually been complimented, complimented by uh, waitresses saying, you know, you, you really know how to order food. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. You know, but uh, uh, I didn't learn how to swim until I was 12 years old. So I, I'm in a life jacket in the swimming pool with all the other kids swimming around because they were waiting for my cousin, who was three years younger, to be old enough to go to swimming class. So I would go with her. Okay. Ah. So at age two, I've got my boys learning swimming lessons. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't there as they were learning. So, but I do go there for graduation, and when I see them there and they, they take these plastic rings I mean it's one of these above ground pools. Okay. 
but they throw the plastic rings to the bottom of the pool, which is about five feet deep. Okay. And I see both of my sons do a jumping surface dive to go after the rings. I come out of my chair. I'm like, they're going to die, you know, and they come up with the rings around their arm, just giggling. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> And I never learned how to roller skate ever, but uh, my boys were roller skating at five. So, you know, all the things that I learned late, I have them learning early because I just wanted them to be able to, to not only fit in, but to, to be socially acceptable and, and things like that. So yeah. I, I took, and, and I took all the good things that uh, my aunt did teach me. Uh, yeah, I learned how to cook when I was 10 and was making my own breakfast and actually making coffee for everybody because I started drinking coffee at age 10. It was it was um, um, one third coffee and one third milk and one third sugar. Okay. <laughs> Which some, some adults drink their coffee that way still. <laughs> yeah, I've since graduated to just being black because where I went to work, everybody drank the coffee black. So to fit in, I just got rid of the sugar. Then I got rid of the milk. You know? There you go. But, um, but yeah, uh, that, that was basically my, my plan is, is, is part of it was, you know, what went wrong with my childhood or what could have been better and, and, and let's, and just take, take, when did I learn it and, and move it back to where I wanted them, I wanted it to be like breathing, the, the ability to use their voice, you know, to be able to swim. I want it to be just automatic for them. Mm. Where they, we didn't have to think about it. Mm. So, so it's, it's basically, you know, what kind of parent do I want to be? And, and, and what does my child need when they walk out the door and, and my influence is, you know, Go, basically going to zero, even though parenting never stops. <laughs> right. Because when they have their own children, then they're like, oh, dad, you know, how, how do we do this? You know? <laughs> but that's amazing that they, you were such a great role model to them that they wanted to know that they were like, dad will help me. Dad knows the answers. Dad will teach me. You were almost like their book. You're like, dad will teach me. And now I, you know, that's, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's true. And and what's interesting is they are better fathers than I was. I mean, I, I'm, that's something I'm, I'm objective about is like, okay, this is my parenting skills. And I look at theirs. I'm like, they're even better than I was, which is good because they, they, they took the, the, the kernel of what I taught them and they've in, improved on it. Yes. Now what happens when, so being strategic, knowing where you want to go, that vision of where you're going, what kind of parent do you want to be? What do my kids need to have a fulfilled life? You've got all that down. What happens when someone else's vision is different than your vision? Like what if you've got a teacher that's an influence that's not so great on your kids or a coach or an in-law or a grandma or an aunt or someone that it's just you're very left and they're very right. Like what do you do in that kind of scenario when sometimes there's conflicts and worries and those sorts of things? Uh, well, what I believe is that if you've done a good job with your, your, your child, that they'll have enough discernment of figuring out, okay, I've got this and that, that, that reinforces, you know, what mom and dad have said, or I've got this and boy, that's different. Okay. That, um, because one of the things that I wanted our, our boys to have was the ability to make good decisions mm. and, and, and that they would think for themselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't, they just wouldn't be following the party line, you know, that, that I've got. It's, it's like, you know, when, um, their, their mom and I got divorced when they were in the second grade. Okay. Mm. And it wasn't too many years after that. Like maybe there was just early teens that my, my oldest son came to me and says, uh, dad, you know, why did you and your mom get divorced? And I said, well, before I, 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 we talk about that, I want you to know that there's, there's, there's three perspectives on this. I'm going to give you my perspective. Your mom's going to have a totally different perspective. And then the truth is somewhere between those two. <laughs> okay. So just letting him know, you know, that, that, that there's my view, there's her view, and then there's probably reality. Okay. <laughs> just letting them know that because I, I wanted them to be thinking Yeah. That, that there's, you know, and I learned that really in, in high school, I, I took a civics course that, one day on the civics course, the teacher asked the question, do you want to know the truth about an event that happened? I'm like, well, if I want to know the truth, I just read the local newspapers. She said, no, 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 no. The, the, the people that write that newspaper, they've got their own agenda, their own spin when they put it in there. 
Mm-hmm. You start with the newspaper that talks about this event that's made national headlines, but you subscribe to three other publications that are going to describe the same event. Yeah. One of them is going to be the, the Christian Scientist Monitor. The other one is the Communist Party, the Daily Worker. I'm like, well, what? Is that legal? Can you do that? You know. And the other one is the Flaming Cross from the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I won't get arrested if I read these other <laughs> publications. They said, if you read about the same event from four, at least four different perspectives, somewhere in there is what really happened. Mm. Everybody's got their own perspective. And I wanted to transfer that, look at it from different things for the boys. I wanted them to be an independent thinker. That's and, huge. And if I didn't agree with, you know, my view of the world, that's fine. Okay. That's it. You know, that would that'd be fine because I want them to think things out for themselves. You know, they didn't have to belong to the same party that I did or any, anything like that, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, what's, it's so easy for people to get polarized, you know, whether I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm an independent, you know, whatever it is. And, and people will reinforce their beliefs because they will only listen to radio stations that agree with, with what they've already decided. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted them to listen to, to different opposing viewpoints and basically not belong to any party. <laughs> I love that. So, so what I'm hearing you say, two big things are jumping out at me. You wanted them to use their voice mm-hmm. to learn how to number one, use their voice. Mm-hmm. We do the same thing with our little guy. They'll be like, and what would he like to drink? We're like, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? What would you like to drink Oliver? He'll be like, I want apple juice. Right. But same thing. It's like, don't talk to me. He's four. He can speak for himself. So it's like you wanted them to use their voice mm-hmm. and you wanted them to realize that it's okay to have your own perspective, right. that you're going to hear A, B, C, and D, mm-hmm. and you can have E, and that's okay too, right? That you can take all of that and form your own judgments and opinions, and maybe judgment isn't the best word, but your own thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. And I think that's that's huge, right? Because we worry so much about, are we doing best by our kids? Are we teaching them the right morals and values? And it's like, maybe we don't have to worry about that. Maybe we just have to worry about, do they, can they use their voice and speak up for what they want and what they need? And do they have their own perspective and their own mind? And I think that's, those two things are huge. Yeah. And I think, you know, from a parenting standpoint, one of the things you have to do is, is number one, decide what, what kind of parent do I want to be? And the model that I use is that you can be a shallow parent or you can be a deep parent. Okay. Mm. You can be a parent that really focuses on information or you can be a parent that focuses on transformation. Okay. And actualization. And I've, I've really kind of categorized parents into four categories. And if, if you think of the little four squares that uh, Stephen Covey used, where you always want to be in the top right square, the bottom left square is what I call the checklist parent. Mm. And that's somebody that's just, they're, they're, they don't really have a focus on what they went through their child. It's like, what's everybody else doing? Okay, everybody goes to public school. Okay, check. They go to public school. Everybody's uh, playing sports. Okay, everybody's in the band. You know, they, they're just checking off the list, but with no plan, no thought. Mm. Now, the top uh, left square is what I call the prestige parent. Okay, my child's got to be perfect. They've got to go to the best schools. They've got to get the best kind of uh, uh, job, all like that, and, and teaching them, you know, manners, which is good, but how to act in society. Okay, but um, they're, they're interested in transformation, but they're transforming them <laughs> into something that's not that fulfilling. Okay. True, yes. And, and the, yeah. bottom, the bottom right is what I call the searcher parent, and that's the parent that's really interested in, in going deep and, and really focusing on information. But it's like, well, what, what's, what's the, what's the buzzword today? Okay. What's grit. Okay. My parent, okay. My child's got to have grit. Okay. No, no, it's um, um, self image. Okay. Well, okay. They need to get uh, trophies for being in last place because they'll feel good. You know, it's what, whatever is current that they're, they're always searching, you know, what's the internet saying? What's the most popular book? Okay. And, and of course, the kid is being raised this way and they're being raised that way, all depending on what they're searching out. Mm. And then the top right quadrant where you always want to be is the impact parent, which mm. has the maximum transformation and the maximum depth. Okay. And, th- and their focus there is on the resourcefulness of the child. I want my child to be resourceful. 
I want their, their skills and their capabilities and their character and their decision-making to just be maxed out. Okay. Yes. And that's the quadrant that you want to move into is being an impact parent. Ooh, that, if people didn't write that down, they're silly because that was huge. Thinking about do a little check, right? Go back and rewind this if you have to, but do a little check of where are you? And Mm -hmm. there's no judgment involved in that. It's just what decisions have you been making? Have you been the checklist parent, the prestige parent, the searcher parent, or the impact parent? And you know now what you want to move towards. And I see that in your part of your strategic parenting, you talk about the core encompasses their character, their values, their mm-hmm. identity, their worthiness, their resourcefulness, right. their resilience, their determination. Right. And it's really amazing to hear that because I know even personally with me, you know, as I was sharing with my guy's homework that he gets at four in junior kindergarten, which is like preschool, where, you know, he's got to circle the rhyming, read the poem, circle the rhyming words, underline the verbs, color with certain colors. And it's like, if you get so worried about, oh, the teacher is going to see this homework and he has to do it perfect and he has to color in the lines. And I worry more about, I shouldn't say worry, but I try to promote his creativity and see, this is what you're supposed to do, but let's see what you do, buddy. Like, what, what is driving you, and why do you pick this certain color? And I always ask lots of questions of him about, okay, well, it says it should be blue. How come you want to color it purple? Tell me about that. Or, you know, it's like I really try to, instead of saying, no, you have to color it blue because the homework says so, we may get to blue, but I try to understand where he's coming from as a person, even though he's four, it's like, I want to try to understand a little bit more as opposed to like, this is your homework, do it this way, make sure it's all perfect, let's check it off the list and go kind of thing. Yeah, because whenever I hear the word perfect, while there's probably a tendency of us parents wanting our ch- children to be perfect, I think the word progress is a lot better than perfect. Is my child making progress? Okay. Yes. It means they're not going to be perfect. And of course, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's no such thing as a parent, perfect child. Right. Are, are they making progress? Well, if they're making progress, that means that they're going to be challenged in what they're learning. And they're probably going to have what I call micro failures, which micro failures are really the little stepping stones to being successful. Um, and, and when you look at people like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and, and, and other titans, you know, that are out there, um, number one, they're not perfect. But are they creative? Yeah. Do they just follow the rules of everybody else? No way. Okay. And, and would, we, would we have what we have today without people like that? No. And so, you know, there's, there's going to be robotics in, an, in our child's future. And the robots are going to be doing the things that don't require creative thought. Okay. Right. So when you look at what is my child, how do I prepare my child for this future that's so much different than the future that we faced? and definitely different than the future that our parents faced where the robots are taking over all of the, you know, repetitive kind of stuff, you know, and even with artificial intelligence, they're, they're still uh, can't be creative. They can just look at all the different possibilities that have been programmed in and, you know, make a a selection. So, you know, things like making good choices, you know, having a good character, you know, being, have high creativity. Those are the things that we should be developing in our children. And, Circling the right thing and coloring it blue, I think a robot could do that. Right. We, we don't want our child to be a robot. Okay. Right. Yes, we do have these things called standardized tests and, and all like that, that uh, um, they need to learn how to do that. But we also want to encourage them to color purple if they want to. Want to. Right. right. Like I remember, you know, not to knock the teacher because she's great, but she's like, Oliver laughs whenever they do rhyming. He thinks rhyming is so funny. I'm like, rhyming is kind of funny when you rhyme like silly words that, you know, it's like we get, we get so stuck in this. They have to be right. They have to be perfect. They have to know it. They have to, it's like, I don't want him to miss the fun of life that we should. I mean, even as adults, it's like, we're trying to find that happy, fun place in our life. You never want to lose that sense of play and fun and you know, yes, there's order and there's routine and there's discipline and there's rules, 
But I also think that you should be able to have fun while you're doing things too, right? And sometimes I think we lose that fun when we want things to be right or perfect or it's a certain way that it has to be, right? Yeah, I I agree completely. Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at, you know, how what's going to distinguish our children from the robots that are going to be out there, and and it really gets down to, um, you know, it's kind of hard for a, a robot to be have empathy okay and to be able to connect with other people okay and it's also going to be difficult for while a robot will be able to make decisions based on their programming there are things in life where the decision has to be made in the moment based on the situation of course with with a foundation of you know let's let's be honest and have the character and and all like that yes. uh, that's one of the things that I wanted my, our boys to do is be able to make increasingly better choices mm. knowing that a, their original choices are not going to be real good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like we, we let our boys start, start dressing themselves at age three. Well, the clothing choices they made at the beginning really sucked. They, yep. would, they would have plaid shorts with polka dotted shirts. <laughs> and so the mantra that I had was, you know, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, okay? Because that, that's what I was aiming them towards, to use their brain. Right. And I knew they would be getting feedback from all the other kids that were in the circle where they grew up. And uh, eventually, they, they, one of them was working at Levi Jeans, the other one was working for American Eagle, and they, their, their clothing sense went way up. Okay? <laughs> and so today, they dress very, very well. Okay. But at age three, you know, it was, it was, it was, I wanted to make progressively better decisions, knowing that initial decisions were were going to be really bad. Yes. And in a similar way, uh, back when the boys were young, we didn't have the, uh, the buffets were not one price for everything as much as you want to eat. Everything was individually priced. So uh, they were maybe about four years old. Where I started letting them pick out which foods they wanted as we're going through the buffet line. Yep. Of course, they, they went for the pies and the, and the cakes, you know, and, you know, maybe mashed potatoes or whatever. And they would order way too much for their stomachs. Okay. So the first, kind of, first couple of times through that, I'm, I'm getting really ticked. Okay. Because I'm, I'm having to pay the bill. Okay. <laughs> and, and, it's just, and there's all this food left over. And so about the third or fourth time, I finally, you know, I have, have what, uh, uh, this, this disease called delayed intelligence, okay? And it's like, okay, I'm going to go last, and I'm not ordering any food whatsoever. So they'll still make their choices. And whatever food is left over, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to finish it, you know? And if it's, yeah. and if it's, if it's the pies and the cakes, that would be good. Okay. <laughs> but eventually they got to where they started making smarter choices on the foods that they got. It's okay, you know, let's get the veggies and a little bit of lean protein and things like that. But you have to understand that, you know, good decision-making, I don't know if you ever heard the joke about the intern that went to uh, the, came in and they said, okay, the CEO is not here today. Uh, so take this and put it on the CEO's desk. Um, uh, but just just go right on in because they're, they're not here. They're on vacation. So it goes in, opens doors, go into a, a Son of a gun, the CEO's behind the desk. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was told you weren't here. I was just supposed to put this in there. The CEO says, that's okay. It's fine. You know, okay, just put it on the desk. And Okay. So the, the intern goes almost out the door, turns around, says, uh, can, can I ask you a question? The CEO says, sure. How did you get to be CEO? Mm. Oh, that's easy. It's because I make good decisions. Okay. Starts to leave. How did you learn how to make uh Good decisions. So, oh, it's easy too. It's through experience. Okay, okay. Good decisions, experience. Okay. How did you get experience? The CEO says, by making really bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> and right. that is the process with our children and, and with us as adult, adults. We, you know, we don't always, as a, as a the parent, make sterling decisions. We, we, will, we, will, we will make a bad call. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you know, with, with, with my children, you know, I, I occasionally I, I would make just a real boner decisions. You know, it's like, well, that, no, oh, that, that wasn't too good. Let's don't do that again. Okay. Right. So, you know, even parents are, we're making progress as a parent because we're not a perfect parent. We're, we're, we're trying and we never will be, but we're, we're always making progress and we have to understand and almost give our children a, a, a hall pass. It's like, give them the, the freedom 
to be making those bad decisions and getting the experience and, and so that they start progressively make better decisions so that hopefully when they, they're 18 and they're out the door, their ability to make good decisions is at 80 or 90% and they're still working on that remaining right. 10%. But at least they've got that, that, that foundation. I love that. I love that. I love the term micro failures. I love that because you're right. It's like, as long as they're not going to be harmed or ill or something like drastic isn't going to happen as a result of the choice you're letting them make, let them figure it out. Cause that's the best way that's, that's the best way we as adults learn. As you said, it's like that failing forward kind of principle of it's like, that's how you know what you do and what you don't want to do. And the only way you know that is through experience. So it's letting your kids experience the good, the bad, and the ugly, as long as they're not injured or hurt, you're letting them go, oh, I don't like that, or I do like that, or that feels nice, or that doesn't feel nice, or that made me happy, that made me angry, you know, it's like allowing them, uh, let's talk for a minute too about emotions, because I know a lot of parents, we worry about what do we do when our kids are like, especially toddlers and younger kids, when they get into those, you know, temper tantrums that we like to say, or just, you know, what do you do when you've got a kiddo that's really expressing themselves? And it's hard to, you know, sometimes parents worry about the judgment out in public, or me, I'm like, okay, it happens. Kids have temper tantrums. Like we have temper tantrums as adults. We have emotions that we range through. How do we help our kids work through those emotions that are like anger and frustration and those real emotions that everybody feels? Yeah. And there's a variety of techniques you can use, but I think one of the things to avoid is using the word why. What if you like, why are you having a tantrum? Well, number one, the kid doesn't know. Why. They don't know, right? Okay. And, and why is, is almost, um, uh, it's very judgmental. Okay. And it's almost perceived as an, an attack and the word what is a whole lot better. And especially if you can make physical contact with the, the child, you know, either a hug or a touch on the hand or whatever, and just say, what's, what's, what's going on, buddy. So that they can start saying, well, you know, I'm feeling sad or, you know, uh, I wanted to play a little bit longer, you know, and it's like, you know, I, you know, I understand that, you know, but so at least you can start a dialogue mm. and you're, because when you're looking at uh, what, how children actually feel loved, there's, there's really three, three components to that. And one is, you know, do, do they feel cared for? And do they, they feel that you're, you're a caring kind of parent that, 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 that you do kind of validate that they have emotions and emotions are okay. You know, it's like, okay, you're feeling angry. Yeah. Dad gets angry sometimes too. You know, it's, it's, it's normal to feel angry. It's okay. It's not right to hit people when you're angry. But it's okay to feel the anger. And uh, the other part of that is uh, in addition to uh, the curing, you know, it's, it's just kind of disappeared from me. So, but I'll, it'll come back to me. But the third part is respect. Mm. For children to feel, uh, really feel that the parent loves them, uh, they, they need to feel that there's a certain amount of respect there. Mm. And the first time that I read that, I think I originally read it in this book, uh, How to Father. I'm like, wait a second, they're supposed to respect me, I'm the parent. Why am I supposed to respect this, this infant, this toddler or whatever? But it's, it's they're, they're another human being that's on the same journey that we are of life. It's just that we're a little bit ahead of them in the journey. And so we need to respect them as a human becoming and a human being. <laughs> okay. And, 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 and to be more, you know, and working towards a collaborative kind of arrangement instead of a, a, a uh, I'm the authority and you're, you're the, you're the soldier or you're the servant or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah. And, and I told you it would come back to me. The other is interest. So it's caring, interest, and respect are the three components of a child feeling loved, okay? And to be genuinely interested in who, what's going on in school and, and with their friends and like that, instead of just asking the question like, uh, so how was school today? And they said, well, it was fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> the you what did you learn today? Nothing. No. <laughs> what, what did you like best about what you learned today? You know, which teacher do you like best? You know, just, and, you know, uh, uh, just, just asking 
questions that allow more engagement than getting just what well, was fine and that's the end of the discussion yeah i saw a list i saw a list somewhere where it was like what made you happy today like what made did did anyone get in trouble today and what happened or what made you sad today or what you know like it was like something around emotions and feelings that were like better guiding questions and like what'd you learn today what'd you do that sort of stuff right yeah and, and and those three things about caring interest and respect uh there was a study that was done quite a few years ago it was done with uh, uh 6000 adolescents and they looked at the four parenting styles uh at the time and they said you know it, it's it's pretty obvious if the parenting style as perceived by the child is that the parent is either disinterested or hostile mm. and the probability of them going into uh addiction of drugs and alcohol is just super high Okay. Wow. It also said that if your parenting style is strict and you're missing the three things that I just mentioned, they also go into addiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then if you're, if your parenting style is um, permissive and you're missing those three things, also addiction, they even calibrated it as to what they're going to be addicted to. Is it going to be wow. a, is it, is it going to be heroin? Is it going to be hallucinogens? Is it going to be marijuana or alcohol? I mean, that, that was an incredible study. And the only quadrant there where there was zero addiction was where the predominant thing, the, the perception by the child is I'm loved because they care for me, they're interested in me, and they respect me. There was zero addiction there. Wow. But man, this is obviously important. Because, you know, parents will go either – you know, my way or the highway, or, you know, I'm a hippie, do whatever you want. Okay. The house is yours. Yeah. And, and, and both, those have the, you know, you would think that strict and permissive would have similar results. They have the same results as far as addictive behavior. Wow. It's only when you got caring interest and respect that, uh, that there's probability is really close to zero. There's going to be any kind of addiction. Wow. So if nothing else, even if you're not sure how to do anything else, make sure those kids know they're loved, they're cared for, you're interested in what's going on in their life, and you respect them as a human. You respect them as another. I love how you said we're on the same journey. We're just a little bit farther ahead than them. Yes. I love the way you frame that. That's yeah, such a beautiful that's the perspective, yeah. Yeah, that's such a beautiful perspective like you said it's not that you know because we do see a lot of that and that is modeled a lot that I am the parent you are the child you will listen to me you know there will be that respect that that hierarchy or that delegation of you know roles and you're right it's not it's like we're just a little bit farther ahead we just we just ran a few more miles than you did yeah and And we're still a work in progress (laughs) totally totally yeah, it's just that we don't want to be totally winging it. Right. <laughs> we, want, we want to have a plan. We want to have a purpose. We want to have an you know, intention of where we're going. But uh, with the um, the option to be able to be have improv, okay, depending yeah. on what the situation is. Because every child is different. You know, having twins, I really realized that each child is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still remember when they were just barely crawling, Is um, there was this little four-piece puzzle. There, there's only four pieces to this puzzle, okay? And my oldest twin comes through, picks up the puzzle, and can, you know, looks at it for about 60 seconds, throws it down, goes on to something else. Youngest twin comes, and he works that piece, and he works that piece, and he works that piece, and he finally gets the piece to fit. And then he got the second piece, and he works it, and he works it. And, it, and so I realized immediately, their brain is different. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, I, I knew they were different, but it's really obvious, like, okay, this child, while he looks like his mother, his brain is like mine. Yep. That child who looks identical to me has the brain of his mother. <laughs> wow. Right? Was, that's kind of, you know, a yeah. way of looking at it, but I realized they, they're, they're, they're different kids. So you can't parent them the same no. because they, they, their ability to think for themselves and use their voice and what they're interested in and their experiences mm-hmm. are going to be very different. Even though they come from the same mom and dad, they're twins, you know, separated by what, 10 minutes, I think you said, right? Yeah. It's like completely different 
different. And you see that a lot where you say, oh, my first child was this angel. And then my second child was this hellion or, you know, vice versa. And you're like, yeah, you could parent, I'm sure the same way, but you have to honor their different, that, that they are different kids. Right. And it's like, yeah. And, and listening to um, you know, my wife talk about her sister and hers, you know, she's the second child. She says, well, you know, my, my sister was also docile, daddy's girl, and always did everything, just, you know, very, and my wife was rebellion, <laughs> but you wouldn't believe, okay? <laughs> which makes for a fun marriage, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, she would say to her dad, like, well, well, why do I have to do that? Of course, you know, this is back when dads were really authoritarian. It's because I said so, you know? Right. And it's right. like, no, but tell me the reason why, you know, I might agree with you. I might not, but I, you know, I have to know I can, I got a brain, I can think, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's good. Like good on her for like using her voice and wanting to understand. And that is a lot of things that like I see even with my little guy too. It's like, they just want to understand or they just want to know. Like I can think of a scenario where I was traveling for business uh, to a, a mastermind, you know, event that I was going to and my little guy started crying and he's like, mommy, you know, why do you always go? Why can't I come with you? And he was so upset because he wanted to go with me. And, you know, I just sat down and he had a couple times where he, he would always kind of cry when I would leave, even though I would hug him and love him and explain, I'm only going away for a couple of days. But this time I was like, you know, mommy sometimes has to go almost like you go to school and you learn mommy goes and she learns and she sees her friends. And long story short, I like explained the purpose of why I was going. And he was like, Oh, and literally that was it. Like he was just like, Oh, okay. And then we dropped them off. We went to grandma's. I left and he didn't cry. And then I went on a following trip and he didn't even cry. And it was the first time. And I was like, Oh, the light bulb went off for me that I'm like, he just wanted to understand. He just right. wanted to know what are you doing, mom, when you go and how come I can't go with you? Right? Like, I'm like, there's no other four year olds there. I'm like, it's just, you know, the adults that are there. I'm like, no kids can come to this one, but oh, and once he kind of understood, there were no more tears. And that was huge for me that I was like, almost like we were talking about earlier when I think before we jumped on, we were saying like, talk to kids like they're adults. Like you right. can explain to them what's right. going on because they want to understand. They might not understand, but they want to understand, right? Yeah. And a lot of times we think our children know more than they do. It's like um, one time I noticed that um, there was something wrong with my youngest and it turned out to be a, a hernia that he had. You know, once I called the pediatrician, so I'm seeing this, what's going on? And he says, well, you know, we, we need to do some, you know, some minor surgery to, to take care of that. So um, we we got these Berenstain Bear book, you know, about going to the doctor like that. And he says, you know, you're going to have some surgery and all like that. He says, okay, you know, we're going to get this thing fixed. Well, we go in after the surgery and he looks at us and he is mad. And I'm just like, what's going on? He says, they cut me. And I'm like, Oh, we forgot to tell him that surgery meant cutting. Oh, yes. He assumed that by saying the word surgery, he would know, but he didn't know. Yeah. It's like, oh, I felt about this, this high <laughs> because, you know, you, I, I thought I was conveying the information, but he didn't have what he needed to understand because he was only, oh, how old was he? Um, maybe five or six or something like that. You know, he didn't know what that surgery meant cutting. Okay. Crazy, right? Yeah. 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 So you have, you have to kind of watch your assumptions that you, we sometimes think our children are smarter than they are, but they don't have the base. It's like, Oh, there's no, there's no kids where you're going. And that's just adults. Okay. And it's just like, it's, you know, it's just like me going to the school. There's no adults there other than the teacher. And there's this kid. Okay. Like they connect the dots and they're fine. Yeah. 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 I like how you said you got to give them the base. Make sure they understand the base. That's okay. huge. Ron, I have an entire, I know the podcast listeners can't see, but I have an entire page. Look, I drew my quadrant of the parenting thing you talking about. I've got an entire page of notes and I know that people's brain is going to explode in a good way when they hear this podcast. Some of the stuff we talked about, 
you know, have the vision of where you're going, be able to improv. That's a base of parenting. You got to ask the right questions. What kind of parent do you want to be? What do our kids need to have a fulfilled life? We want to give them that ability to make good decisions, use their voice, have different perspective. Uh, Don't use the word why when they're having an emotion. Use the word what to start that dialogue. Loved how we're working on progress, not perfection, using those micro failures to kind of catapult us forward and learn. Loved your box about the prestige parent, the checklist parent, the searcher parent, the impact parent is what we want. And nothing else, if you take nothing else from this podcast, know that you've got to show your kids that you care for them you're interested in them, and you respect them. And those three are really the base of where you start, that they know they're loved, they know you love them, you know that they know they're worthy of love, and love is unconditional, and that's kind of where we start. So, wow, this was an incredible, incredible interview. So, Ron, how can they, so when is your book, do you think? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. How soon do you think your book will be available? Yeah, the target date is um, July the 4th on Independence Day. I cannot wait to blast that out to my audience. So that's super exciting. And then if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Ron, if they want to know more about recommendations or resources or your coaching or your programs or your book that's coming out, what's the best way they can get in contact with you? Well, where they can find the most content is going to be there on Facebook because it's fully invested uh, dads and moms okay right. that, that's the best place where they can find me and uh, uh, I, I do have a website called fully invested dads but we're in the process of changing that to fully invested parents okay mm. and um, uh, they can uh, you know uh, if they want to email me they can get to me at uh, gronreardon at gmail.com so it's g-r-o-n-r-e-a-r-d-o-n at gmail.com Awesome. And I will make sure that I put that in the show notes for anybody that you can get those resources there. And Ron, thank you for spending this time just using your knowledge to pay it forward and just to be able to share your expertise. And it's an amazing feeling when you know that you're impacting future legacies, the future of our children, the future of our community. And I just love the work that you do. I just love you as a human being. And I just love, you know, this conversation that we had. It's really going to pay it forward for people and help us parents that worry, are we messing it up? Well, now we know what we need to do to not mess it up. And you know what? You're going to mess it up and you learn from it and you go from there, right? Progress, not perfection. Progress. I love that. So thank you so much, Ron. Okay. Thanks for having me here. This has been great. This has been a joy. Awesome. We'll see you again on our next episode of The Empowered Life. You've been listening to The Empowered Life Podcast. For more free business and health training, go to www.lisapizik.com.